Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Steeping Together, the podcast where we explore the vast world of tea over a cup of tea with a tea enthusiast. I'm your tea-obsessed host, Marika, and as usual, I am so excited to be with you all here today. Ooh, tea pairings. At once an enticing endeavor, yet completely overwhelming to most people. How do you pair a tea with the proper foods? Where do you even start? Do you, like, start a chart with all the flavor notes of your tea, compare with the notes in various foods in a separate column, then do a V-lookup to a flavor wheel and hope that Excel will somehow magically provide the perfect answer? Well, it needn't be that complicated. Here to get us started on understanding the world of tea and pairings is one of the founders and owners of the Camellia Sinensis Tea House, Kevin Gascoigne. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you very much. It is a delight to have you here with us. Well, it's lovely to be here. Would you care to introduce yourself the way you'd like to be introduced? Well, my name is Kevin, and I own a tea company uh, by the name of Camellia Sinensis, which is the, as most of you know, is the botanical name of tea. Um, I have three partners. We're a group of tea tasters. And we run a company that is based on our purchases that we make in Asia every year. Mm -hmm. We have a catalogue of around 250 teas. Um, it's an ever-changing catalogue. Every tea is bought directly from the grower by us and bought on location. Um, so we follow the seasons. We follow the best uh, teas of each region. We're kind of niche because we do uh, very high-end stuff, mm -hmm. small lots, uh, rare lots, and so on. But we have our own little market for it. Um, around our wonderful catalogue of teas, we have uh, retail stores. We have three retail stores in the Quebec and uh, Montreal area. We sell to a lot of other tea companies, and we also sell to, we have a range that goes out to uh, wholesale customers, cafes and grocery stores. We also do education and publishing. We have a, our main uh, principal book is published in six languages now. Congrats. And has twice won World's Best Tea Book. Um, what else do we do? We do, uh, we run schools and education. I do a lot of conferencing around the world. Um, I do field consulting also as a taster, so helping growers develop their products. And in the last few years, we opened a tiny mini factory in the south of India called the Tea Studio, um, which I think we can probably give the listeners the uh, the email for that afterwards. Oh, yeah, no, I think the... The, uh, the website. Yeah, the website, absolutely. So We're going to be sharing... The tea Studio. Yeah, uh, the tea studio is a small uh, artisanal project in the south of India where we make our own tea. So we do everything now from producing to retailing to the customer. My goodness, you do a lot. You're a pretty... <laughs> yes. <laughs> you do a lot. And I have to say that the Camellia Sinensis website is one that I actively try to avoid. Because every time I go to your website, it ends up being quite the cart that I, I mean I am I have some absolute favorites um, that you've kept over the years I've had some favorites from way back in the day the quality of your product is outstanding the friendliness of the service of the people in the stores and mm -hmm. the kindness of just you and all the other owners is just 
it doesn't always match up with the the gravitas that people would assume, like that you guys have. You know, we think people with that high end tea and they take it so seriously and they're go- going directly to source. Like, yeah, yeah. it's always slightly intimidating. Like, are are they going to let me in? Are they going to talk to me? Yeah. And always so welcoming, always so full of information. Yeah, I think it's that irony that we we do it with a passion. We're very directly connected to the people that make the the teas that we bring in. And so that kind of separation and mystery is sort of removed at that point. Mm. It's like uh, very cool people making tea, us going to get it and bringing it back to sell to our very cool clients. So it it doesn't need to be complicated, more complicated than that. And that is one of the reasons I asked you, to tackle this particular subject, tea and pairings, because right. I think people make it out to be more complicated than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But there are some ground rules. There are some things we can work around. Now, yeah. I'm going to start with a question. Whenever I look at tea and pairings, the number one teas that are paired with, you name it, is Darjeeling's. Yes. And given that you are the Darjeeling expert of Camellia sinensis and the Darjeeling expert of almost any given room you enter. (laughs) I mean, you've been going to that region for how many years now? 30 years. Yeah. There's an intimate connection you have with Darjeeling's. Uh, Yes. I know pretty much everybody. (laughs) (laughs) They all know me. (laughs) And that's not really an overstatement. I mean, this is a really small region. I mean, everybody knows the name Darjeeling or has had contact with a tea from that area, but it's not a very big place in the world. It's not a big place. And I've been hanging out there for almost a month every year for the last uh, three decades. So, yeah. What's so appealing about it? Um, Well, the tea is the tea that mostly appeals to me. Um, it's uh, highly caffeinated and uh, very bright and uh, lively flavor mm-hmm. profiles. So I like that. I like the complexity. Um, each of us has our favorite tea that tastes like the complete flavor of tea for us. Mm-hmm. And that's always been mine. And uh, obviously the Himalayas is a beautiful region. Darjeeling is in the foothills of the Himalayas. You can see the white peaks mm-hmm. and so on. And I love the people up there. They're great people. There's a really nice um, cultural vibe up there. So all in all, it's all around package. Right. Uh, I started going there. I was totally charmed by the place, the tea, the product, the the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, so I've been going back. I do a lot of other regions as well, mm-hmm. but certainly my heart would be there. Your heart's in Darjeeling. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. I, wish, I hope to see it one day. Yeah. I mean, it sounds heartbreakingly beautiful and just a fascinating place yeah. to visit. Yeah. So Darjeeling's paired with anything. I've seen Darjeeling's paired with cheeses and chocolates and all of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if Darjeeling is paired with food as a reflex because it's considered like the champagne of tea. So if you pair anything with a Darjeeling, you're going to have a nice experience. Mm. It's almost, sometimes it feels lazy. You know what I mean? It feels like champagne and strawberries, champagne and chocolate. Well, look, champagne goes with a great many situations, moods, and foods. It's kind of an easy choice. Am I correct in that? Uh, There's a little bit of that. There's a lightness. But some uh, Darjeeling's are a little too complex to mix with some other flavor profiles. Mm -hmm. I think... 
I think the first thing I would say about pairing is there are sort of three things that can happen when you pair things together. Okay. The first one is you get a, a complement mm -hmm. where things will, two, two, two flavor profiles will kind of fit in, fit next to each other like two jigsaw pieces. Mm -hmm. So that's very interesting because they tend to enhance parts of each other's flavor profile. Mm -hmm. The next one that it can be very interesting is a contrast mm -hmm. where they don't really go together but one of the flavors will perhaps cover up half of the other's flavor, highlighting and enhancing a part of the the other food or the other drinks uh, flavor. So you get uh, you get them splitting up, mm -hmm. and you get to taste different parts of the flavor profile that you can't when you just taste them on their own because they're differently made. And then we have this third magic that sometimes happen. Um, when you get a bridge, you get some form of a, a, um, a beautiful chemical, uh, aromatic bridge between the two. And you have this, uh, sort of marriage that gives you something that is bigger than the sum of the two parts. So that doesn't always happen, but there are certain, uh, flavor mixes that work really well. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing a scotch and tea tasting, mm -hmm. for instance, which is quite a common one, mm -hmm. they're two things that go very well together. Um, I will always do one of each. Right. To show those three different facts of having two things that go together mm -hmm. and then having the complement, the contrast, and then the harmonic bridge. Always do the harmonic bridge at the end. Right. So you get the wow at the end, obviously. Interesting. It just, I, I love how you described it. As you were describing it, I really thought, I don't know why I thought about this. I thought about different, like, couples that I know, like people. Like, oh, there are yeah. some couples <laughs> that really complement each other yes. and they both enhance each other. Yeah. And they are definitely um, better off for having the other in each other's life. Yes. Then you have the contrasting couples. I'm thinking of a particular couple in mind, but who are just very different personalities, get along, have found their commonality, but mm -hmm. you know, there's the loud one and the quiet one or the funny one and the stoic one. Yeah, and, yeah. and you love having that couple around because they bring a different contrast into it. Yes. And the bridge really feels like what Hollywood's been convincing us as a perfect the soulmate exactly <laughs> the soulmate that's right <laughs> like that we've found these two elements that have come together to yes. make a bridge and it is an undeniable yes. pairing for the ages yes greater than the sum of its parts greater than the sum of its parts exactly <laughs> yeah. and so as you were saying that that's all I could think about and I feel like that's a really good first step right. when deciding on what you're going to do with your pairing if yes. you want to do i want to compliment do i want to contrast or do yes. i want to shoot for the stars and write a love story of which shakespeare <laughs> himself would be jealous you know? yes yeah yeah <laughs> all right so let's talk about complimenting let's break it down okay all right give well, me some good compliments okay well first of all <laughs> I, I do need to say that we've started with the overall kind of concept mm -hmm. but we don't want to make. We don't want it to be complicated. We want it to be fun. Exactly. And it's the exploration that's the fun. Yes. So there are obvious things that don't go well together. Obvious things that rarely work together. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, the first thing I think, is wine and tea. Right. Wine and tea are very difficult to pair. 
because uh, they cover up a lot of each other's flavor profile. Mm. So one of them tastes dead when you taste the other one. Right. So if we're doing pairing with wine, we do something a little bit different where we try to uh, compare a tea with uh, a wine that has a similar sort of essence to it. It okay. has a similar sort of character. Okay. Maybe it's bright and lively, or maybe it's round and uh, earthy, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something that has a little bit more of a character complex, but we we can't necessarily do it in the sandwich formation that we use when we do when we're tasting with whiskey. Right. So with, when we taste tea and whiskey together, they go beautifully together, the hot and then the cold and the preparation of the mouth with the tea and then the, the warmth and what it does to, to the scotch in the mouth and or the bourbon right. in the mouth and then back to the tea. We call this the sandwich. We do tea, scotch, tea. Nice. Okay. So that's just a, a methodology. But there are some things that work and there are some things that don't. Uh, some things that definitely don't. So wine is is a hard one. Right. Whereas if we look at wine with cheese, right. wine and cheese is uh, probably a mix made in heaven. Absolutely. Say. Yeah. And then if we go deeper into a wine and cheese, then we have uh, wines that go better with creamy cheeses and we have wines that go better with sharp cheeses and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think the fun is... Well, obviously, the fun is when you find that perfect marriage, obviously. But uh, the fun is the exploration. I think it's hard to, um, until you've started doing it a little bit Mm -hmm. and you've started exploring, Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to anticipate what's going to happen. Right. You've really just got to jump in. Trial and And start trying things next to each other. Right. And see uh, whether it's going to fit, whether it's not going to fit, and uh, without fear, really. And it sounds like a and lot without of fun. thinking that we can do it wrong. You know? Right, exactly. I yeah. think that um, people think, "Oh, I'm going to do it wrong." Yeah, it, it's kind of like, look, if you enjoyed it, yeah, it's a good pairing. Exactly. Is it something that you should present to your mother-in-law? Depending on the relationship you have with this person, yes. you know what I mean. Depending like, on the mother. Depending probably. on the mother-in-law, yes. like <laughs> if you're doing it for yourself, or you're doing it uh, in a fun, casual environment with yes. you know people that are also there to discover, also yeah. there to try. Mm-hmm. Just try it. Just try it. Just the try it. Thing to do. And we we sometimes have this. Uh, I think we were talking about it earlier on. This thing about. Um, not being expert enough, not really knowing where to start. Uh, other people know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. But we all know how to eat. We all know how to taste. Yeah. If we can get into that space where we're focusing, that's the hardest part, really, is just focusing on what we're doing. Just like tasting without other uh, white noise going on in your head. Mm-hmm. And you can do it. At, you can just take a split second from a conversation at a party uh, with your cheese and wine and just uh, one second, one split second, you have a moment of tasting and then you're back in the conversation. Right. So to create those little moments, it could be a micro moment or it could be uh, set up and a little bit longer with some different cheeses and some different teas or some different wines or something. Mm-hmm. And to get the headspace, I think that's really what it is. It's getting into that headspace 
where you are focusing. Right. Because that's hard to do. There's so much going on all all the time, all around. Life's so busy, you know. It's hard to get to that It's to so – sorry, I'm laughing to myself, but it's because it's so impossible yeah. to carve out these days. Yeah. It, just, it, just a moment, just 10 minutes yes. where it's just you and your feelings and your flavors and you, all of that. Yeah. And it's such a gift that we can do it through tea or wine or, or mm-hmm. any kind of food. Like you should definitely give yourself that gift. Like, yes, okay. I think so. I, 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 um, I've been uh, wanting to make a T-shirt actually <laughs> that goes on the uh, dance like nobody's watching. Right. I'd like to have a T-shirt that says taste like nobody's talking. <laughs> <laughs> Just so people. Sold. <laughs> Just so people have that moment, just it really doesn't need to be long, right. where you just indulge yourself in the beauty of using all your sensorial equipment just for a split second. Yeah. It could be longer. And yeah. if you really get into it, it could be much longer. Right. Um, and, you know, there are some of us in the industry, we love doing it and we do it as a living. Right. But um, I think uh, it's just a little habit that you need that you need to pick up. Mm-hmm. Instead of uh, chugging the wine, eating the cheese and carrying on chatting, mm-hmm. you just have that very split second where you sip, you eat, and then you're back to the conversation. Maybe you didn't even share what you thought, I mean, but, you fe- but you felt it fully. Exactly. And and if somebody asked you, hey, where did you go? It seems like you're light years away in the middle of the conversation <laughs> because you took that moment. Yeah. You say, yeah, man. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> I went on a little adventure, a little flavor adventure <laughs> yeah. that I highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> you want to come? It's a conversation starter. It's a great conversation starter. <laughs> and you know what? Nine times, nine times out of ten, people find it really interesting because they never do it. They never do know? it. And humans are so motivated to discover new flavors. Mm, Everything course, we do yeah. is almost towards that new flavor. I mean, mm-hmm. we all we eat three times a day. We snack in between. We have this drink, that drink. Yeah. And the number one decider for what we're going to consume is flavor. Yeah. I've never really met anyone who's like, I don't care what it tastes like. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Not even yeah. salt. You don't you have no opinion on this whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah, it is a great conversation starter. Okay. You've said about 10 things that my brain has just been firing off. I have so many threads I could pull on, but I just want to go back really quick because... Okay, let's go back. Talking about wine and tea, I'm not a drinker. I don't... um, I'm a tea drinker. Mm -hmm. I don't generally consume alcohol. And when you said, if you want to pair wine and tea, I was like, oh, I've literally never thought once of pairing a wine with a tea. As soon as you said it, I did have that reaction Mm -hmm. of like, oh, that's not my natural inclination. No. No. To put those two together, mm-hmm. when you said uh, scotch or whiskey yeah. with tea, that ma- that clicked for me. Yeah. Not just because I may or may not have attended the seminar at the Camellia Sinensis uh, School on scotch and tea, <laughs> <laughs> um, but because those hard alcohols, mm-hmm. they also create a different mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. And that different burn sensation in your throat. And so you're not just contrasting or complementing flavors. You also have that textural component. Is that a word? Did mm-hmm. I just invent a word? Textural? 
Textural? textural? Textural. That's what I want to say. You also have that textural component that's a really interesting play off yes. each other, whereas mm -hmm. wine and tea are in the same kind of texture. Yeah. Not all of them, but in my mind. Yeah. But if you don't drink wine, try grapes and tea. Right. That doesn't work either. Right. <laughs> okay. Oh, grapes and tea. Yeah. As soon mm. as you said it, I put it together. They and don't I... work. Grapes and cheese are fantastic. Right. But grapes and tea don't work. So all of this leading to my next question, how important is a textural complementation, con contrast, you know, how important is that mouthfeel when we're talking about pairing? Um, it can be the focus mm -hmm. and it can be unimportant. Right. Okay. But usually, depending what what two things you are comparing, for instance, if you do a tea and cheese, um, you've obviously got very different. Uh, textures, textures yeah, going solid on liquid. in your mouth. Mm -hmm. uh, one is creamy, one is clear, and so on. But um, you can have teas that have a more creamy edge to them, and you can have uh, cheeses that are perhaps a more a little more crisp. And for sure, one will one will highlight the other one mm -hmm. when you do them one after the other. Okay. Yeah. Same with scotch mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I think uh, I think just putting two different, like, even if you do two teas one next to the other, uh, texture is one of the first things. And actually, when I'm doing a tasting with a large amount of people, one of the first things I will say to get them into the zone we've just been talking about, where right. you're actually focusing, is forget about trying to compare this to uh, flowers and fragrances that you know or memories or poetry or anything. Mm -hmm. Just focus on the texture. Okay. Because that gets you into that place of focusing straight away. And then, okay, the texture, because they probably wouldn't have thought of that, mm -hmm. but they can feel it easily before they feel that they have to analyze like um, like some wine sommelier that's uh, discussing the, yeah, the notes of the harvest. Yeah, you know? name the obscure flower from exactly. Malaysia that this note reminds you of. I mean, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So leading them in with texture. That's Lead a... them in with texture because then they're in there. Mm -hmm. And then at that point... We can talk about how the flavor develops in the mouth, uh, whether it opens fast or opens slowly, whether it uh, is uh, has a nice long aftertaste mm -hmm. or whether it's finished soon. Right. Um, then you, at that point, once they've started to analyze the texture, then it makes it easier to just uh, be in there and start uh, having a look around. Right. It's a lot less intimidating. It's a nice. It it's is. just it, because yeah. it is. Texture is touch yes. and sensation, and it's kind of yeah. a nice way of saying, what are you feeling? What are you feeling right now? Exactly, and the texture is probably something that everybody's feeling because we all have very different taste bud, taste bud reactions. Right. So some people are tasting a lot more of this or a lot more of this, etc. Mm -hmm. um, but the texture is fairly the same through, throughout different people. I like everything that you're proposing because... Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like what you're proposing here is a choose-your-own-adventure-style yes. approach to pairing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There are concepts that can enlighten and yes. guide you through the fun of it all. Of course. But at the end of the day, grab your sword, grab your shield, yeah. get your mug. Yeah. <laughs> And choose your own. Part by the cheese store. Part yeah. by the cheese store. Grab a bottle of scotch. Yeah. Exactly. 
<laughs> I really like that. I really, really like that because yes. it's just, as we said, just very, very intimidating people and they should need to just try it. Yes. Okay. Well, it's the same with a lot of things. Okay. Even when people are uh, coming to me and saying, well, Kevin, I don't really know, you know, I don't know much about tea. I bought this oolong and I'm not sure how to make it. I, I've been weighing it and and timing it and this, that and the other. And I say, well... It sounds to me like you're so focused on the laboratory system of your infusion that you're not actually paying attention to what the tea tastes like. Right. So what I recommend is that if as you get into tea or as you get into pairing in this mm -hmm. conversation, you do um, one or two organized and then you do a third freestyle. So if you're doing, uh, say, you're learning to infuse with a gongfucha teapot, right? you do one or two where you're measuring and uh, measuring the temperature and everything else. Mm -hmm. And then you do one freestyle because that's when you start to really have this inherent uh, intuition about what's actually happening. And because you're not focusing on the beeps and the clocks and the and the met tape and the tape measure, right. <laughs> the weighing scale, right. and so on. Uh, you're actually focusing on the aromas and the steam and the feeling and the and the fragrance in the air. Yeah. So, I think it's it's really important to have the confidence that we're in our own driving seat in all these situations, mm -hmm. and that uh, anything could be a pairing. I mean, picking up two things while you're cooking and trying the two of them in your mouth at right. the same time mm -hmm. is going to give you some form of information mm -hmm. and build up your um, filing system as to how two things are going to go together or not go together. Yeah. And it's just as interesting doing things that don't go together yes. as do go together because there's a lot to learn right. in that. And in, in in the spirit of that kind of you you have the equipment to do this and you can choose yeah, your own adventure. You are exactly. already equipped. One of the things I always tell people is your brain has recorded everything you've ever tasted. And when you get into the habit of tasting certain foods, depending on where you are geographically, culturally, all of those things are taken into consideration, you do know automatically what pairs well together. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an instinct that you develop over time. Yeah. Or you start to think that anyway. Or you, or you start to think, I must try it. Exactly. And sometimes you get completely surprised. Yes. Which is very interesting. It's always interesting when you're yeah. like, oh, that was absolutely going to work. In on an intellectual level, I knew that was going to work. And yeah, then you yeah. do it. And it's an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. I did quite a lot of tastings on a, on a, with using uh, molecular gastronomy with Francois Chartier. Yes. Uh, about, I don't know. 15 years ago maybe mm -hmm. and um, that was very interesting because you discussed at the beginning uh, chemical breakdown and uh, looking for molecular bridges and so on mm -hmm. so that's what he specialized in and wrote a few books about mm -hmm. and that was fascinating but in many ways it was kind of digital mm. because it was a little too precise right and um, it taught, sort of took the soul out of it a little bit. It was, yeah. it was I mean, it was a scientific way, approach to doing this idea of putting two things together. And yes, tomatoes and chocolate and various different foods share molecular flavors, 
molecular flavor elements. Right. So they do go together. You know, mm-hmm. asparagus, asparagus and chocolate have some of the similar molecular elements to them. Right. And when you put them together, they make this very strange yeah. combination that doesn't taste like either of them. Right. So um, it is that is fascinating. So if you want to go for a deep dive, that's one thing you can look at as well. But I would say that um, just uh, getting familiar with going for a little trip into that uh, cat that back catalogue that you just mentioned mm-hmm. of all your flavour experience mm-hmm. and pulling a few things out and just like slamming them together and see what happens, mm-hmm. I think is a I mean, it's just fun. It's just fun. It's just a fun it's thing. It's just a you, lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, why are we doing it in the first place? Right. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe we're doing it to impress our friends, but oh, we yeah. want it to be fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I think it's it's fun to play with those flavors. It's fun to play with your own perception of flavor, too, and to um, confront what you thought you knew by trying new pairings, you know, choosing your own adventure, as we said. I've now said it eight times. I'm going to have to trademark it for yeah. <laughs> the purposes. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so one thing that we did discuss before recording, you said very casually to me, you said, dunking a biscuit in tea isn't pairing. And I went, <laughs> what? What do you mean? <laughs> And look, just because something has been done for hundreds of years doesn't mean that well, it's the... Well, I mean, that's a natural pairing. That's they're, a natural pairing. two things pairing. that go beautifully together. We right. know that. Right. We know that. So it is a pairing of a sort. Okay, but yes. why did you phrase it that way? You were like, it was, it, was so, it was so like, it's not a pairing. And I was like, oh my. <laughs> I feel like this is a conversation you've had before. No, no. I just came up with it while we were chatting. Okay. Um, I think it was because uh, I think it's because a lot of people would do it just without that moment of thought ah. that I want, that I needed for it to be. It's more of a combination than a pairing because there's not that thought moment of thought. But at the same time, the visceral information of a pleasing combination of two flavor elements is there. You know, the vanilla or the shortcake or the butter in the right. biscuit and the tea and. They're all things that have been designed over decades to go together and recipes that have been refined on both sides, the tea and the biscuit. Yeah. So. um, Oh, well, I love the the specificity we've now brought to it. (laughs) No, because it's the action of pairing that requires that mindfulness, that requires that. mindfulness. Yeah, it's like drinking tea and tasting tea. You know, it's it's just a, a, a frame of mind, really. Oh, man. Yeah. We could do a whole episode on the yeah. frame of mind. Yeah, and I think tasting. we've already got about six T-shirts there. <laughs> it's time to open a shop. <laughs> yeah. You've already got one convinced customer on this side. So, Kevin, we've been drinking tea this whole time because I don't know about you. I almost never have a conversation without tea. It's very rare that I don't. I never do anything. I know. Tea. I don't really. Have a moment in my life where there isn't a tea at least no. at arm's reach. No. You have the distinction of being the first guest that, to whom I've presented several options of which tea we should drink, and you picked all three. Of course. <laughs> I want to see how they go together. <laughs> so, okay. So we have 
and uh, Angie Green and Angie Baicha, mm -hmm. green which you tea. know is one of my favorite green teas. I, I don't know how you found that out. But, um, uh, I have my sources. Okay. I'm not going to divulge mm -hmm. that. It's also one of my favorite green teas. Yeah. Something that I uh, learned about for the first time when I was living in China, yeah. and I am not predisposed to drinking green teas. Typically, mm -hmm. I don't. I don't look for that flavor profile necessarily on a day to day, but I just really like the the Angie Green, yeah. the body that it gives. It's so lively and bright. And yes, it's not mm. judging me. I feel like this tea is not judging me. I don't know how else to put it. It's hard to make it badly as well. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like how you say that because I'm the one who made it. You're like, see, you, yes. you can do it. Even you made it well. Even you make it well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Then we have uh, Phoenix Oolong, which is a dance song Oolong from Southern China. I love dance songs. I yeah, me too. Oolong is my favorite uh, tea category, generally speaking, be it the okay. greener ones or the darker ones. This dance song is just lightly spicy. It's a good everyday cup. It's yeah. to me, it's a mug tea. It's a great mug tea because you yeah. can just. That's the one I've been tucking into on the table, actually. Right, mm. yeah, I really like this one. Mm -hmm. And then we have cinnamon oolong. I haven't tried that one yet. Oh, well, we're going to have to remedy okay. that. Yes, put some in my cup. There you go. I love this tea. We've talked about this tea on the podcast before. It's an oolong that is scented with cinnamon, did mm. not have cinnamon added to it. Yes, it's nice. I love it. I'm happy yes. you like it. I'm not a big cinnamon fan. Mm -hmm. I usually find it too sickly, but this is very well balanced. I really enjoy this cup, and for people mm -hmm. especially who say they don't like cinnamon, I'm always mm -hmm. like, give this one, give this one a, a try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really don't like cinnamon. <laughs> okay. and I'm enjoying this. <laughs> well, that says a lot. <laughs> well, I think uh, cinnamon's just overdone. It, it is. It's put in everything. It's uh, you know, it's like van it's like vanilla was in the '80s. You know, cinnamon. <laughs> they just went nuts with cinnamon and put it in everything, and yeah. it's like supposed to be like comfy slippers and. Uh, warming but it's just really overdone and there's so much bad cinnamon around oh and artificial God. cinnamon i just but this yeah. is nice yeah and i think yeah. also like when you're steeping cinnamon when you steep the the wood because cinnamon's a bark mm -hmm. it doesn't always steep at the same time as the tea right so it's always hard even to find that balance with some mm -hmm. of the teas and so That's here true. you don't have that issue you can just steep it yeah and you're and you're good to go exactly do these pair at all with each other I, I'm it's not seeing it, one. but I'm Let not. Me just see. Let me see. I like how you just shot that back. Like <laughs> <laughs> not wasting it. Yeah. The cinnamon to the dance song works quite nicely. Right. The cinnamon sort of hides the central flavors, but you, there's the um, the dance song's more floral. Right. So it becomes quiet, a quiet body, but a larger bouquet. Okay. And also the texture's more clear and crisp with the mm -hmm. dance song. So that's nice. And now I'm going to do dance song oh, to Angie. Angie Baicha. I'll just take a shot of each. Yeah, it makes the Angie nice and bright and green. Yeah. So we've got... You can actually taste the floral side of the Angie a little bit more after the dance song. So here we've got... So that was simple. Yeah, it was... We just what? launched into a little <laughs> pairing just because we had three flavor elements on the table. Right. That was simple. What did, what did what did you what were what? Well, I had to stop talking. That was one thing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Rule number one: I had to think 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, we did stop talking, mm-hmm. um, which is no small feat for me. Um, but we did stop talking. <laughs> I stopped listening. As well. You stopped listening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you zoned out. Um, what of the three types of pairing that you described would you say happened here? Like with the Phoenix Oolong and the Angie, was it a compliment? Was it a contrast? Was it uh, contrast love? Contrast for the first one. Uh, no, there was no love really. <laughs> uh, and the second one was a uh, kind of a compliment. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a really good exercise that people can take away is kind of take, mm-hmm. take three T's and see who plays well with the other. There you go. Try yes. this one with that one and then try this one with that one. And yeah. it's a yeah. fast way to yeah. kind of, Bring out the best in each tea and bring yeah. out new potential flavors. Yeah, yeah, I do this quite a lot. I did a um, a tasting with a group uh, just a couple of months ago, actually, uh, with three pairs of teas, um, Darjeeling's and uh, Wu Yulong's from uh, not f- further north than this Oolong. And um, again, I did the three styles okay. of... Uh, Two that went together, two that contrasted, and then a harmonic bridge. And I was doing it with a very uh, a deep group, <laughs> deep so I could group. take them. I could take them deep into the tea into the teascape. Right. And um, so we were working on what happened halfway through the flavor. Mm-hmm. There was a dip and a matching flavor a flavor uh, element, and uh, so. But yeah, two teas works together. It's, uh, I don't know. As soon as you said deep group, I was really envisioning, you know, cloaks, yeah, beards, silence, yeah. beards. It's <laughs> a very Stops. Gandalf situation <laughs> happening. <Yeah>. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love it. It's fascinating. I think I've learned a lot. Um, mostly the big takeaway for me is to just give yourself that time and that you have the tools to do it. Yeah. And just take a moment uh, yeah. now and again just to taste the things that you taste and, right. and think about them. Well, that's very encouraging. Oh. I think we should keep drinking. Yes. And we'll be right back. Yeah, we'll be right back. Today's episode of Steeping Together is brought to you by our Garden to Cup collection. What's a Garden to Cup tea, you ask? Our Garden to Cup teas are a thoughtfully curated selection of traditional and single-origin teas sourced from gardens across the globe. We have everything from classic staples like orange peko and organic Japanese sencha to ultra-limited and small-batch teas like wild-grown rooibos and zomba pearls. Not only are these teas incredibly delicious, but they're also some of our favorites to source. Why, you ask? Well, Mother Nature and the incredibly skilled people working these gardens have done all the heavy lifting for us. And for that, we could not be more grateful. Garden to Cup Teas. Yeah, we sell stuff without sprinkles. Welcome back. It's time to play What Are You Drinking? The quiz where we ask our guests three situational questions, some realistic, some completely out there. And they have to use all of their experience and expertise to tell us what they would drink in any one of these given situations. Kevin, are you ready to play? What are you drinking? I'm nervous. I'm nervous. (laughs) I feel like you're going to do really well. I don't want to set you up, but I just feel like you're going to do really well. You could have told me the questions in advance. I did not. No. This is all all fresh. I'm ready. I'm ready. So this is a listener question Mm -hmm. from Perry Papadopoulos. Thank you, Perry, for writing in. Hi, Perry. (laughs) It's a cold, dark, and stormy night. 
You're sitting there alone watching the rain trickle down the window. What are you drinking? Okay. I'm going to go. For, do I, do I, can I be really specific? You can be as specific or vague as you'd like. Okay. I'm going to go straight to uh, a Wu Yulong. Okay. I'm going to drink some uh, high-grade Rugui. Okay. Yes, which is uh, a gorgeous, multi-layered, rounded, spicy, uh, naturally spicy Yulong uh, from China. That's going to be my choice for that. Yeah. And I'm going to do it in a gaiwan okay. and uh, do uh, infusion after infusion, probably about six or seven infusions. I don't know if you know this, but you've chosen my husband's favorite tea of all time. Oh, well, he, he can come along. He's <laughs> Most kind, sir. It's always better to drink tea with a friend. <laughs> exactly. So what I like about that particular answer is you've got this wui oolong which is a darker oolong it's a rogue which literally in mandarin means cinnamon rogue is the yep. word for cinnamon mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. it's not no cinnamon added like what we're drinking here no. but it has the natural notes of cinnamon yeah, very yeah. comforting yeah little it, roasty yeah roasty warming. comforting yeah takes a lot of re-steeps yeah it's, yeah many re-steeps so yeah i could sit and watch the rain for Hours. An hour or two, yeah. You've created quite the moment. Mm. Gold star. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Question two. You are neck deep in renovations, and the contractor, your new best friend, has extended the deadline to completion by another month. Again. <laughs> deep breath before you respond to his last email. What are you drinking? I'm going to drink a liter of... Uh... <laughs> Leader. First flush Darjeeling, okay, which is going to which is uh, full of caffeine, right. but also has a really really high amount of LTN in, okay, um, which I'm kind of hooked on. Okay, and um, confession LTNN space here is, is an <laughs> which is an amino acid, right. and it's that uh, chemical that gives our body a feeling of well being, reduces anxiety, makes us feel calm. Uh, it gives us that little ah, feeling when we drink tea. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to drink a liter of that. And I'd probably <laughs> say, no problem, buddy. <laughs> a month's fine. I like how you <laughs> opened with like, I'm going to need a liter of whatever I'm about to say. <laughs> We're going to need a lot. While I think about that, <laughs> a liter of water on the boil, please. Yeah. So a liter, it's hot, it's cold brewed. Hot, hot. Hot, hot yeah. okay. Do you cold yeah. brew your Darjeeling's ever? Um, I drink them cold. Okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd rarely leave them steeping long enough to, for them to uh, okay. To be cold. No, I, drink, I always brew them hot. Brewing hot, yeah. traditionalist. But like they it. make great iced teas if you do cold, cold brew. Yeah, yeah. I, I like my Darjeeling's yeah. cold brewed a lot. Yeah, I and you can even put a bit of uh, bubble in it. It's nice. Yes, I'm happy you said that because I do that. I, mm -hmm. I carbonate yeah, my cold brews a lot. Yeah. It's so easy to do mm -hmm. and just really, really delicious. Yeah, yeah. Ten points. All right. Well done. <laughs> All right. Going for gold. Exactly. <laughs> Here we go. Um, question three. Okay. You've never won anything in your life, so when you entered a contest to win a trip to the moon, you really didn't have high expectations. And yet here you are. The sun is setting on Earth, and you're watching from the view of the lunar space station. It's breathtaking, indescribable. So few people will ever have this experience. 
What are you drinking? Oh, let's see. Hmm. Yeah, I want to drink something legendary. Mm. I'm going to go for... Um, I'm going to go for a 1976 Manghai uh, Puati, a Shang Puan, um, that has been aged in dry storage, not wet storage. So it still has some brightness and a little, and very mineral. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. There's a lot to unpack there. Okay. All right. Okay. 1976, because so you've an, had this before. Yeah, You've had yes. this particular I have, cultivar. Yes. Uh, uh, this age. This age vintage, before. Yeah, this vintage yeah. before. Yes. Okay, so you're familiar with this flavor. You, right. you're, you're not picking it because no. 1976 was a, a was a good year for Montreal or something. Uh, no. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. It was a good year for music, too. It was an excellent yes. year for music. For those of us that are old enough. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, it's a Manghai, it's a Shangpur, it's yes. got that vibrancy. Yes, s- but it's very old. Exactly. It's still vibrant because it's been dry stored. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got beautiful uh, mineral uh, edge, right. not too farmy anymore. The farmy's gone a little bit, but enough to keep it authentic. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those beautiful old HTs that is just full of wisdom. <gasps> mm. That's what I'm going to try. That's a gorgeous description. That's my choice. Yeah. Because as I don't know why when you ch- when you said what you were going to drink, the mm-hmm. first thing I thought was of the mineral quality, mm-hmm. and that you were somehow pairing it with like the lunar dust on the moon. Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how my I brain works. I haven't got there yet, but I would. <laughs> If I wanted to be really specific, at that moment, as I said, I'd like to be on the third infusion of it. As oh, well. yeah. I love the <laughs> yeah, nerdiness of that. That is so cool. Juicy stuff's going to be coming out on a tea that old. That that's when the juicy stuff's going to come yeah, out on the tea. Uh, well, because it's so old, you know, it's going to take a while to warm up, and it's going to take a couple of steeps just for it to wake up and get the dust out of its eyes and stuff. We need to get you in contact with NASA. Like at this point, <laughs> you're sending these astronauts up I there. Know. With what? What are we doing here? Like, let's <laughs> what was William Shatner drinking the other day? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we need we need to get you on this, Kevin. We need you yeah, to. I'll make the tea. I'll You'll make, make the tea. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> well, this is not a game that you can win or lose, but you are absolutely the winner of this oh, particular right. trip to the moon. The trip to the moon really put it over the top. Absolutely. <laughs> the stakes were high. <laughs> um, look, thank you so much for taking the time, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your passion, for just sharing a, a good cup of tea. Yeah, it was good tea. Good conversation and yep. everything. If people want to find Camellia sinensis, I mean, yes. we're here in Montreal. I'm fortunate enough, fortunate enough that I live very close to the Camellia sinensis yes. uh, shop. Mm-hmm. Where do they go? How do they find you? Find us online at Camellia with two L's, mm-hmm. dash, not underscore, dash, sinensis, S-I-N-E-N-S-I-S mm-hmm. dot com. And, and all the information's there. There are blogs on pairing. Uh, whiskey pairing, cheese pairing, oyster te- pairing, all sorts of stuff. So mm-hmm. you can get some ideas there. Mm-hmm. And also on both uh, the logistics of a pairing and some suggestions of stuff to try. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. We've got some great recipes for uh, cocktails and mocktails too. 
And then uh, if you're on the internet, check out our T-Studio Project 2, which is really quite uh, a lot of fun. It's uh, T-Studio, one word, dot info, I-N-F-O. So check us out. Yeah, and if you have a chance, everyone, to uh, read the Camellia Sinensis book on tea, I highly, highly recommend it. It's been a touchstone book, a milestone book for me for many, many years. It's really enjoyable. It's a fascinating Mm -hmm. read. Um, Yeah, just thank you again. I'm just so thrilled that you were able to join us. Yeah, I had a great time. And thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to reach us with comments, questions, or suggestions for the What Are You Drinking game, you can do so at steeping.together at davidstea.com or through our website, davidstea.com. Have a great week and happy steeping, everyone. Mm